morning good afternoon good evening everyone and welcome to our latest uh, uh indic book club author q and a and uh, this time we have uh, shalendra marathe author of price to profit and before we get started i am going to give everyone a minute or two more to join and for those of you uh, who are joining uh, this is also going to be streamed live on our facebook group at facebook.com/groups Slash Indic Book Club. So, give me one minute while I switch this uh, live on uh, Facebook also. So, Shalendra, a big welcome uh, to you, and thank you for coming uh, on our IBC Author Q and A series. Now, for those of you who are not yet uh, familiar with uh, Shalendra, here is a quick uh, a word of introduction about him. So, Shalendra is a senior finance professional, and he has more than twenty-five years of experience in business finance, financial markets, uh, fintech, and risk management. He's a chartered accountant. by training and an alumnus of uh, the Indian Institute of Management Bangalore where he was awarded the gold medal for best all-round performance in his postgraduate batch and he has written a book called price to profit and he says that uh, most entrepreneurs are risk are price takers who accept the price set by the market and generate profits by driving efficiencies and reducing costs they do not realize the power of pricing and in case they are aware do not know which existing strategies they can leverage in their business so implementing a pricing strategy for a business that is already in existence has its own challenges and complexities this book explains why pricing is important how it impacts business growth and profitability which pricing strategies are being used by businesses which challenges are faced in implementing business strategies how to assess your current pricing strategy and recommends an approach to execute a pricing strategy in your business so shalend uh yeah. my very first question to you would be that uh, uh you know we all know pricing we are all whether we are part of business uh, you know we have a say or influence to some degree in setting the price uh, for the products or services that we sell and every single day when we go out in the market when we go online shopping we you know compare prices of almost every good and product that we buy yeah so 
when you start off your book, you talk about the fact that uh, uh, pricing is growth plus profitability. So let us start from there. Uh, you know, why are these two important, uh, growth and profitability? Because, and, and I'll tell you why. See, in the last several years, we have seen big, big companies become huge and successful without ever running, you know, creating a single peso of profit. So people have got used to free, you know, free delivery and free trial and free product and all. Why should people as, uh, you know, who are in business care about uh, pricing? Great question. So I think uh, probably there are two, three questions inside that. So when you're talking of the uh, companies, you know, not bothered about making price, probably you are referring to, you know, Amazon's Flipkart's and Swiggy's and others of the world, right? So uh, we have to understand that these are different kind of businesses. Uh, the stakeholders who are backing those and investing, right? They have very, very deep pockets. So, uh, if you look at these kind of companies, they're probably, you know, less than half percent of the total enterprises or probably even less than that, right? Who can afford to uh, pump in so much money and then, you know, wait for five years or 10 years to break even. That, that That's one thing. So are we a part of that particular uh, community? Do I have that kind of money to back up or is then I need to be worried about profitability? Right? That, that's very simple and straightforward answer at the beginning. Uh, second, uh, these companies have different you know, goals. So, for example, they want the largest market share. If you look at Google also, it was not really, uh, it, it figured out along the way, you know, how do they want to make money, right? Same with Facebook. We started as a sort of uh, implemented in a college, right? Just for friends to connect, etc. And then scaled up, invested a lot, and then they figured out how to make money. Of course, they had an uh, idea. I'm not saying they were not knowing anything at all. But they are different kind of companies, which, and then they became sort of, they have become sort of monopolies. When you talk of, uh, online community, it is Facebook, right? Or something to post online by way of visual, it is Instagram. So everybody has, you know, nicely carved out a position for themselves and their game is about total dominance. And this is possible only in maybe the tech-driven kind of, you know, situation. So in technology, it is, you know, sort of winner-takes-all kind of a thing has been possible. But if you look at other businesses, which is, let's say, even, even Coca-Cola, for example, right? It's a very big business and it's a very dominant business, but probably it's not even 5% of the global, you know, cold drinks and other drinks sale, correct? In spite of being one of the biggest, I have to check that out, but I can assure you it's not even 5% of the global, right? So while being number one player, they are a very insignificant uh, or a small player. So even Coke is bothered about profitability. So unless you are really going for probably, you know, 30, 40, 60, 80% kind of a market share, and your business allows you to do that, then I think you should still be bothered about uh, profitability. And only focusing on growth, uh, there's a limit to how much cash you can pump in. And while we are looking at success stories like Flipkart, Amazon, and few, which are still, you know, uh, running and having a steam, uh, so to say, there are many which fail by the side, right? I think you can tell many names, so many e-commerce players have shut shop, right? So, and they were not making profit. So while we are looking at these two, three guys, who are actually, you know, sort of garnering market share like crazy. The others are such shop. Probably, I don't know, there were 20, 30, 100 of them, correct? So that's the reason we need to bother about the profitability while we are growing. Very, very, very true. Uh, and, you know, you, uh, you, you talk about uh, uh, communicating value through price, right? And 
you take a couple of examples i think right at the very in in the first parts of the book you use the example of an online site that uh, where you can go and configure your car and you can add options and all that and there is a default that is shown and obviously i as a consumer can change and add or you know do all of those things but uh, i was a little you know fascinated by that uh, how does one communicate value through price and uh, uh i think in those defaults uh, i sensed you know there is some refer- uh, reference you are making also to daniel kahneman's work uh, on you know how people perceive and the value you know so can you uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit yeah in fact it is good you mentioned daniel kahneman i read him uh, probably i think a decade back or so right and i was very fascinated by the kind of experiments he has done and on discovery they had a serial i think brain games which showed those right how exactly uh, you know the, those experiments were getting done and implemented so he has done a lot of research around how the system one and system two works right so a uh, lot of decisions we take based on you know uh, our initial perception of what the things are so i don't remember the exact example you are saying but i think that default i was talking about in tesla's case where if you go to their website when you look at the car prices the default price which is shown is net of the Uh, you know the benefits that are there for example like reducing the green uh, uh, the, sorry the carbon footprint right something like that which actually i mean they are quantifying it somehow but that's not the benefit to me directly but they are reducing that and showing the price to me right so they are trying to manipulate it in such a way that the price looks lower and then there is another tab and you can go and see a higher price which actually you have to pay for the car right but that that's one thing so the way the defaults work for example i'll give you another example Uh, when i was in australia the, there was one uh, very big reform there were two key reforms going on in the financial markets and uh, that's about 8 uh, 10 years back one was called future of financial advice and second was called stronger super both were around you know uh, the financial advice and how to uh, protect the savings of the australians for retirement more more focused on that so in that what the australian government did or the financial authorities did is that they mandated that you know any planner who setting a profile of the employees you know they should go and set up the default plan in a certain way earlier what used to happen is when the when the the, the company engages a financial planner or wealth management firm right let's say a company has 3000 employees when you join that company and at that point in time you are choosing a plan right how do you want to invest uh, the whatever part of you know equivalent of provident fund over there and then at that time the the option default which was there it was a costly option for the uh, uh, for the employee, uh, employee right but the way the defaults work is most people don't change the default right that, that's why it is called default right it, it's a given i mean most of us live with the default so it was causing a lot of harm to the investor community and they did lot of research you know uh, to show that you know low cost actually translates into higher returns over 20 30 40 years it was 1% that you can save by of advisor fees can have a significantly higher impact over you know a longer time horizon specifically so that's how the defaults work you know the default that you are shown for example like if you look go to amazon and you look at the, the way the pricing is shown correct right? there is a price which is in gray and then 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 is stuck off and then there is a larger bold front i think i have given the example in the book uh, that you know the the large and uh, large font and red color right so the actual price and there is a uh, 74% kind of a saving which is screaming uh, in front of our eyes right? we can very easily see that 
of course uh, amazon has mellowed down a bit but some sites will you know even exaggerate to uh, appeal to you so this is the kind of a positioning and manipulation that can be done in terms of how you you know communicate the price the second thing you asked about is about the value uh, definitely price does convey the value right uh, if if for example a mercedes car for example is it is possible for mercedes to produce very low value cars right i don't know whether probably they might have so much of great engineering that they might uh, compete where tata nano failed right it is possible i don't know i'm just sort of exaggerating little bit here and there but they won't get into that segment because their positioning is very clear you know mercedes is supposed to be a premium car they have bought in relatively low value cars in indian market but still it on the premium end right i think the lowest model starts around 30 35 lakh something like that uh, again if you look at bmw bikes as an example right somebody who really wants to convey something to to others when he is driving that bike will buy that bike so there is a value that is implicit in there and they are also conveying it through a price and value based pricing is a big thing i think separately we can talk about that or if you want i can give example correct so you know with that i it makes for a very logical segue you know you uh, in your in your book what i really liked uh, about your book is that you are very very focused on the aspect of pricing and you have divided your book into i think 14 or 15 chapters and each one of them is looking at one aspect of pricing so one of the uh, and we'll talk about you know one part of it that i'm very fascinated which uh, which is the you know types of pricing and the advantages and disadvantages of uh, traditional forms of pricing but coming to this part i i want to talk about uh, uh, you know uh, see if you if you look at uh, uh, you know you talked about uh, mercedes coming you know not wanting to come low end and i think you have a very very interesting quote that anyone can sell a mercedes at the price of a hyundai but doing the other way is is really a challenge correct so in here uh, my question is that how does one get pricing power then right so obviously a mercedes can charge whatever it does an insane amount of money uh, you know because it is able to convince people of the you know other part of pricing which is value correct so how does someone who's not a mercedes or a bmw or one of those luxury car makers how do they get into con- com- uh, communicating and uh, convincing people of value right so so value you know like beauty is in the eye of the beholder right if i feel there is a value somewhere i feel it and i can give you n number of products where really i don't think any value is there but i see people buying those at exorbitant price correct that's that, uh, one thing you know how you said so basically pricing is about positioning it's about you know uh, it is a very key part of positioning yourself and as we you know know about the basic positioning is in the mind of the customer you know how customer perceives you right uh, it's not that hyundai cannot produce very uh, you know premium cars i think they can also do that they have been doing fantastic engineering but then operating at two different you know sort of price levels entirely two different sort of you know uh, positions uh and while maintaining the same brand is very very difficult uh, challenge to do so if you look at one of the biggest uh, uh, you know the clothing companies men's clothing companies in india they have couple of brands right and at the uh, you know uh, arvin meals for example right so we don't know how many brands that can comp- they they run all those brands very very successfully but they have different different brands at times there are three shops nearby and all these three in the back end it is just one company 
but they have three different brands and in the clothing brands you know we don't bother much about who's the manufacturer right when in the mm-hmm. case of a car we do more research is a high ticket purchase so it is difficult for those people to you know have uh, have one company in the background and have various uh, brands it's difficult but you know if you look at companies like Volkswagen for example the kind of brands that they have they are almost across you know also they are right from beetle or some other cars which are relatively low end and now we have models starting from 5 lakh 6 lakhs for Volkswagen in india right so they they are able to maintain that they are very high end uh, you know uh, position cars as well so they are able to manage you know that kind of a thing but that's very rare in uh, the market that with the same company in the background you are able to manage a highly premium positioning as well as a mass market positioning because it is about the mind of the customer and once the customer positions you as something and that's why pricing you know decisions should be taken at the earlier stage earlier life cycle i'm not saying day one of course business grows slowly but and and then pricing you know policy should be aligned to your strategic positioning and other aspects i'll not use those that jargon words too much but unfortunately i have to use it in this context and and you know how you convey that value Uh, I'll just give another example. Uh, there is this Wag Wag Bakri Chai. If you know that, right? It's a brand from Gujarat, and uh, uh, I think it's uh, doing good business now. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think Amitabh used to uh, advertise for that some time back. I'm not too sure, but they have also opened the, the tea outlets now, right? And I am I I I somehow don't like coffee. People can tell me anything can happen over coffee. Anything can happen over tea, masala. you know lusty or anything right so i don't really get that kind of a thing when people say that so i was very happy that you know now a tea brands are getting positioned in the same way it's also another you know drink that we have very frequently somehow coffee could be sold easily because it's more you know western concept and we always accept western things more uh, you know sort of readily as compared to what is there uh, in india for very long time so they are now able to sell a chai at 100 150 right the same oh, okay. price as coffee yeah so up वाग बोपरी चाय में जाएगा वो सब वही एक्सपीरियंस मिलेगा दिल गिव सम कुकीज प्रॉपर डेकोर यू नो गुड टी एंड यू कैन सीट फॉर लॉन्गर टाइम सेम एज कॉफी डे और यू नो बरिस्टा और एनी अदर काइंड ऑफ एक्सपीरियंस एंड दे आर एबल टू सेल दैट बिकॉज दे हैव नो वाग बकरी व्हेन दे लॉन्च दिस पर्टिकुलर थिंग आई मीन देयर टी इज वन थिंग व्हेन दे लॉन्च दोस टी आउटलेट्स दे डिसाइडेड नो दिस इज द पोजीशन इन व्हिच वी आर गोइंग टू बी देयर दे कुड एज़ वेल एज़ हैव हैव गॉन मास मार्केट राइट 20 रुपीस 30 रुपीस टी दे कुड हैव डन दैट But they decided that we want to be in this particular position, and then they are conveying value accordingly. Interesting. Now, <clears throat> uh, you know, continuing with this uh, thread for a little more. Now, see, unless and until you are a monopoly or a duopoly player in a market, uh, you really cannot dictate price to a customer. But you also have, you know, this very fascinating another quote uh, from uh, Warren Buffett, uh, who says that. Uh, if you can raise i think um, uh, uh, if you can raise prices by 10% yeah. uh, you know uh, and not have to worry then you know you have uh, you you are on a good business but if you have to pray uh, then you know you are in trouble yeah. so how do you create pricing power because the customer is always going to comparison shop up uh, and at the end of the day you know even i am someone who will look at the lower prices as uh, as as you know one of the first differentiators and right. determinants so how do you build pricing power in that case yeah so uh, so i think yeah so just in warren buffett's uh, you know context uh, he invested in companies like coca cola looking at the you know the fact that something you know as mundane as cola right so coca cola has been able to make a big deal out of And sell. I am again not able to ever understand why people drink Coca Cola. 
but uh, that apart so uh, uh, it's about the how the company positions itself and how it differentiates itself see if you are selling a product which is like a commodity right then then it is very difficult because then people will directly compare your product with somebody else right because end of the day it's about value and what you make people perceive about it so uh, what you have to what is mandatory for you is to create a differentiated product as compared to the competition you should make it difficult for uh, your you know customer to compare one for one with the competition that is that is very key requirement because unless you are able to differentiate as i told you about this wagbukri example i am very sure they could have launched you know uh, mass market outlets probably they would have got i don't know what profitability they are having probably could have broken even faster and you know have had higher sales also right because then it's the mass uh, thing that you know any of us can consume so uh, that's a decision to be taken and uh, i think uh, again just the same example to repeat that i think there are so many tea outlets right why should somebody be going and paying you know 150 right, right. there for a chai in uh, starbucks for example uh, when starbucks opened in pune 2 3 years back i was surprised i mean i used to go to starbucks in us and london and every place uh, but i never thought it's such a great deal i mean there's no other option there so i'll go to starbucks but here you know in pune we had long queues in kothrud right big queues when mcdonalds came here i think it was year 2000 in jangli maharaj road there were such huge queues like people were waiting outside that so it's about you know perception but now today starbucks in india i mean the same it's a, it's a really commodity product right uh, what is it different the brand is different but they are able to create that you know perception about value in the minds of the customer so i don't think uh, just because the product is a mass market product or a commodity product or you have to i don't agree that you have to be a monopoly player in order to differentiate the price and in fact in many times the monopoly becomes a problem because if you raise the price too much people start you know uh, shouting a lot against that right and this is exactly happening and will happen against this take monopolies as well people will question you know why they are charging x amount y amount so on and so forth interesting so even for essentially products that are commodified uh, commodified it is possible to gain some pricing power you are saying Absolutely. if you can create uh, uh, if you can essentially differentiate your product and offering absolutely look at raymond as an example right i mean there are so many shooting shootings available correct i think uh, crms is available there are other brands which are available it's a very commodity thing shooting shooting do you have to really go somewhere and you know look for that correct but the way emerges has all together positioned itself in the complete man and the way that they have targeted the wedding site right. and also interestingly you know the now that you are talking about it i just wrote a post about 2 uh, 3 months back on uh, linkedin on you know how emerges is using something called a daydrot effect right what uh, i've uh, done is daydrot uh, effect daydrot effect okay what what, what is yeah. it uh... what it talks about is you know create a very clear clear positioning right and establish yourself in that particular position what remans has done is it has very clearly differentiated itself as a shootings and shirtings company right so if you are thinking of a marriage suit or something special you you go to remans right in in that category right uh, of course reed and tear etc come i don't know how well they are competing with remans but it's very difficult for anybody to think of you on competing with remans and then what they are doing is they are getting the customer there and then they are selling many other products they are selling handkerchiefs socks ties right everything they are selling now right they are selling many products they are selling t-shirts uh, so they are selling casual shirts right which are not uh, really office shirts 
but still if you look at their advertisement the positioning is always you know if you are a high flying executive you should or you no know, if it's an important occasion like marriage you should wear ribbons the that is what they do to pull people in and then they sell premium products over there right their belts are costing like 1200 bucks and so and probably same one you can get outside for 3 400 bucks and i i'm not doing a really exact comparison i'm not so scientific about it wallets like wallets you can buy there for 600 800 now have you ever seen even advertising about wallets belts socks right handkerchiefs no but they are able to sell that once you get the customer in the place and that they have achieved by creating a very very you know niche premium and really a position that others are very others find it very difficult to compete with interesting this is this is and, uh, and, you know and, i this closing is a commodity market uh, believe me i mean i i really don't know but i still go to raymond right so that's what they have done so this is a fascinating you know i had not thought about it that way that by creating this very uh you know very very uh, and and suits and all raymond is able to push so many other products that they will in in fact you're right i have never seen i can't recall them ever having talked about the fact that they are selling handkerchiefs and the other Correct. things very very fascinating so that you know, will dilute their positioning they want to stick to the positioning and then sell on top interesting so you know you you talk about uh, one of the the three fundamentals of a business so you have to have a product which means you have to have some amount of skill set inventing something that is you know unique and which you think gives delivers value the second thing you talk about is salesmanship if you have a product and if no one buys it it's of no use right so you say that you have to be able to sell it and the third part you talk about is pricing and obviously you know that's a whole theme of the book and that's what we've been talking about but you know so far we have talked about the fact that uh, uh we uh, our discussion so far has essentially centered around how do you differentiate your brand how do you get pricing power how do you uh, make the customer see value at a at a higher price point but i want to i wanted to tell us a little bit about the converse part of it and you use an example of uh, uh, chinese vehicle uh, manufacturers that entered the australian car market and they were priced uh, you know somewhat cheaper than the other cars available and everyone expected them in a period of 5 to 10 years to get up to a, a 10% or a greater market share but you write that after many many years their entire market share was uh, hovering at about 1% yes now this is very counter intuitive right if we keep saying that you you want to charge higher for, for higher uh, you know profits and of here is a you know a set of car correct so so going back to positioning again you know i think the car was i think holden uh, no holden is uh, australia's homegrown brand so it is mg i think which is same same now being sold in india correct so uh, the the positioning itself was such that first thing they have to understand that australians are very proud about themselves right it's a country where convicts were settled by the british but the kind of pride that australians carry you know i i wonder why indians are not uh, we are not proud about ourselves right we have so much to be proud about but look at the country which where the convicts were sent from britain and they, are, they take so much pride and you know when you go to australian shops sometimes they write the history you know my my great 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 grandfather was you know convict and sent out here for this reason right and they talk proudly about it so i think the country which has this kind of a pride will find it difficult to you know 
buy a car and display on the road to their neighbors and other communities saying that you know okay we are buying a car because it is cheaper right so second there is a perception about chinese goods and i think china has not been able to wash it out completely right i don't know post covid i mean that, that's another tangent altogether but that perception of you know uh, sort of relatively cheap cheap products right cheap not low cost products has not gone out so that could be one reason they were not able to break out of that there could be perception about those cars not being safe because in australia even in sydney for example on highways you have the speed of 90 kilometers or 100 kilometers outside it's about 120 kilometers right so you must feel safe while driving that car so probably i i'm assuming those kind of issues were there i not studied it that much but i said you know just by keeping the price low you will not be able to essentially you know acquire larger market share because people will always compare you know instead of buying this new uh, car which is a chinese made car i don't mind buying a four year old second hand toyota right which is proven because toyota's engine will run for at least 2 or 3 lakh kilometers or maybe couple of lakh miles right so that's how people will compare in their mind so uh, having only lower price is not a guarantee that you will gain larger market share and you know you will be able to achieve profitability in the end that's why one has to be cautious probably they were to price it right they could have probably you know sold more is similar thing i think uh, i read couple of uh, case studies on why nano failed right so you know, they they said that it was price so cheap that you know people didn't feel that though they wanted they didn't want their neighbors and community to see uh, my family car and which was price so so low almost as low as auto rickshaw right that's where some kind of you know they didn't understand that pride element that is there in the society about owning a car Right, at least in India and maybe in few other countries. In US, it's like probably more of a necessity. Probably a nano equivalent might sell there. Again, I'm just sort of in the dark. I'm just shooting in the dark. But in India, it's about pride, right? When the car comes to your house, you take a photograph with that Correct. and everything. So probably nano didn't understand that. So same thing with so cheaper doesn't essentially mean you will get so, and uh, uh, pricing higher doesn't essentially mean that you you will not be able to differentiate and sell. That's okay. what I'm saying. The mindset has to change. so you know it, it's uh, obviously it is uh, you know clear that uh, pricing is not as uh, as straightforward as you know deciding whether you want to price low or want to price high and towards the end of the book or the, or the you know the latter parts of the book you talk about pricing strategies and you uh you know we most of us know about some pricing strategies such as you know cost plus uh, pricing yeah. and uh, and other things but you uh you 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 have i think a checklist that you also provide for you know people who can uh, fill that out to get a sense of you know how much pricing power they'll have and what the pricing strategy should be uh why do you call some of those approaches as traditional pricing strategies can you talk a little bit about you know that as well as you know what are some of the yeah yeah newer or more you know what you call innovative pricing strategies yeah yeah so for first thing is traditional doesn't mean bad or anything like that i think they are traditional they have been there for fairly long time tried out tested so in a way you can look at it as positive right so when we are talking of a new business or a product we say you know the fact that there is already some company in that market and they are selling means the market is established right so there is a positive element of that also but these have existed for quite some time for example cost plus pricing right so it has existed for fairly long time now and became extremely dominant during the world war 
last century when you know the governments were procuring and the best way of awarding a contract was to you know incentivize saying okay you produce this uh, maybe arma uh, this tank uh, tank right battle tank and if it costs you x million dollars we'll pay you uh, maybe 20% more right and that was also a very quick way of because at that point in time even the manufacturer may not know you know the the germans and us and everybody needed those uh, kind of you know equipments very fast so they wouldn't know the price and there was no time to negotiate on that so that's when it became very popular and now even in government the mindset is around more of cost set uh, I, i think i think i can say with reasonable certainty is across the globe right by and large that cost plus attitude is there in government uh, across the globe that that's one thing second is even in all the big businesses they always compare and you know try to dive down and understand your cost uh, you have been in it i have been in it for quite some time you know lot of times every time there is a customer uh, pressure to you know unbundle and tell tell them the you know this one so i just just uh, two three weeks back we had one of the you know potential customers from pune who actually came down to meet us had a day long workshop with uh, us and uh, you know me and my Uh, a colleague so we gave them a proposal after a week or so they were asking us to unbundle it and we straight away refused because you know you you there is a whole price and then there are there are once you start unbundling there is no limit right they will ask for every detail and then say okay now we don't want this we don't want that because it's a whole code that you have given to them if you take out some component doesn't mean that the price will uh, you know reduce accordingly but that cost plus kind of a mindset drives all those things so these are not bad strategies i think cost one has to take into account because if you don't make profit you might you know sort of uh, run out of money and you might have to close down the business so i'm not saying ignore the cost but one thing you have to understand is the 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 price is not essentially linked to cost in the customer's mind right customer is not going to pay you more because it costs you more to produce something correct just because i tell customer you know it it cost me uh, x amount to let's say produce this mouse you know i'll say it cost me 5000 you have to give me 6000 and they will say so what i mean logitech is giving me at 500 right so so i think cost is more of whether you know can i produce it at a cost that provides me profit given this is the price correct it is actually the other way the thinking has to happen and if i can't produce it at a cost where i can make profit i should close down the business broadly or i should outsource something like that right and get still the cost uh, back so that mindset has to change in the private enterprises and we have to more look towards the the i think what other matters are this is the modern or innovative kind of prices where you link price to the value because end of the day the customer is not going to pay you exactly as per cost right they are going to pay based on the value that they get out of it and again going too many examples we can give again i think wagbakri chai or you know even barista or order coffee day or even starbucks right people are willing to pay because that is the value that they feel you know they get uh, yesterday uh, or the day before yesterday we were out with some friends and uh, uh, we went to one shop where we had this mastani right it's quite popular in pune so it was very okay. small cup and it's a there's a, a khatri that they are the khatri brand right they had a actually a, a sort of a, they had a, this they were selling this on a cart right for almost 50 years that those that now they have got a very big shop and they are pretty rich family now selling ice creams right and after 30 40 years now they have got their brand and they are selling it at probably three times the price that others are selling right it's such a small uh, glass and they are charging 100 120 bucks for that correct because now they have got that kind of a position and people know now the khatri ice cream or mastani means i am going to get a great quality kind of a stuff right so once it is there then you are able to do that so you have to differentiate the product you have to look at the value that the customers are getting and you have to charge accordingly 
ट्रेडिशनल डबल भी नहीं थिंग रॉन्ग बट कॉस्ट शुड बी मोर लुक्ड एट फ्रॉम द पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू ऑफ गिवन दिस प्राइस यू नो व्हाट इज द कॉस्ट एट व्हिच आई मस्ट प्रोड्यूस इन ऑर्डर टू मेक प्रॉफिट नॉट द अदर वे अराउंड सिंपली बिकॉज़ यू हैव टू गॉट दैट कॉस्ट नो पीपल आर नॉट गोइंग टू पे फॉर दैट प्रोबेबली यू शुड नॉट डू दैट बिजनेस इफ यू कांट प्रोड्यूस एंड दैट्स एग्जैक्टली व्हाट हैपन विद लॉट ऑफ इंडियन मैन्युफैक्चरर्स इनिशियली व्हेन चाइना स्टार्टेड यू नो डंपिंग देयर प्रोडक्ट्स हियर यूजिंग समथिंग कॉल्ड अ मार्जिनल प्राइसिंग अप्रोच राइट जस्ट टू रिकवर देयर फिक्स्ड कॉस्ट they will dump in countries like india at a lower cost and sell at a higher price in the us and make profit over there interesting so you know uh, let me now say that you obviously had have had a lot of experience in industry then you wrote this book and now you have your own firm right where you give advice and consult for companies how have you been able to or can you tell me a little bit about how you have uh, you know bridged the gap between uh, you know what is there in the book and and you know when theory meets uh, practice <laughs> yeah very see I, so first thing i must say it's, it's very challenging right so i, I think i mentioned it in the book is implementing right pricing strategy is extremely challenging first we have to understand right just because i have written a book i'll not say it's very easy and you can do it right it's very very challenging job it takes lot of time to you know experiment and implement and for example if i let's say a customer comes to me and i tell him 1 lakh rupees for the engagement right there's a chance he will say no right simply and i have to be willing to take that chance one thing second i have to be able to you know uh, i have given those examples also uh, i have to be able to create different different kind of you know uh, versions of the product you know x i'll charge you 1 lakh and why i will charge you 70000 and maybe if you just want z uh, that just 25000 right so i am now able to create that and convince the customer that this is the high value and premium product but other two choices are available to you so you decide right then the the negotiation shifts to something else you know he is trying to buy the high value at the middle price point right rather than you know just argue that that price point is and that is where the things like the anchoring and others that kaneman has experimented a lot about you know those come into picture right i also explained about this popcorn pricing strategy in the multiplexes right typically so a very large bowl etc so if you read through that so we do use some part part of it for example for my workshops i hope uh, people will not look at it that way now i i typically have you know a price let's say if it is 25000 then there's a early bird discount there's a group discount right so so these kind of things are there which basically help people buy at a lower price and but there is already a higher anchor set in their mind so i do use it partly not that it's successful at uh, first chance or every time successful but i constantly try doing that uh, second if you look at the the way the book is priced you know there's a hard cover edition there's a paperback and there's kindle of course right so that that's again one way of you know saying uh, setting multiple level, layers of pricing uh, in my one of the ventures where we we have you know called skill edge where we are basically making the graduates job ready uh, day one job ready right so there we are now launching uh, two three courses where the 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 uh, our uh, students who are basically mba and pgdm freshers or engineers they will pay only if they get the job of a particular salary maybe 6 lakh rupees job if they get that then only they pay us right so it's a reverse kind of a pricing strategy where they are not paying us anything at all right so we are trying to use it in different different ways and unless they get let's say they get a job of 5 lakhs they will not pay us anything right so all four months of our uh, investment is for us it is yielding zero right but he still gets a job but he doesn't get a 6 lakh rupees job he doesn't pay us anything right so so we are turning the pricing around in this way and of course we are trying to use it because you know it conveys the value to the customer end of the day what we are trying to do and when we are for example setting this kind of a reverse 
sort of inverted kind of a pricing strategy where they pay us only if you know success based kind of a strategy which also i have covered that in the uh, book you know depending on the success the customer can pay you then in that case obviously you can charge him higher amount if i was going to charge them 1 lakh rupees for this course probably i can charge them 1 and 1/2 lakh or 2 lakh rupees because they pay only if we find them that kind of a job right and then people are willing to pay you because it is results based right so that so we are trying to use it as much as possible let's see and it's not like it's all the way success success a lot of experimentation required a lot of data required and then most of my ventures are in nascent stage but specifically if you have been in business for quite some time or you have some kind of a data or your product you know is a little bit low value product which sells a lot then you can get start getting the fillers earlier in this kind of a stuff you can't get the fillers so easily interesting so you know i i can almost see a second book uh, you know coming out uh, in the near future based on your more of your experiences uh, uh, you know i'll be looking forward to that now uh, so now sharendra you know we are uh, a part of you know indic book club and and the things we do we also want to you know appeal i'm fascinated by two questions there the first one is right at the very beginning of the book you said this is your fourth book but <laughs> it is your first published book so you obviously you know you say that you started three books but you couldn't finish them yeah. uh firstly how did you manage to f- finish this one because you know if you have not finished three books fourth book becomes uh, more likely that you'll not finish it yeah. and uh, uh yeah so how did you end up finishing this fourth book and tell t- tell me a little bit about your first three books yeah so uh, i think see uh, so first three that i that are work in progress even today i feel ashamed of saying that but it's truth is they are fictions right so and you know they are based on my uh, all are based generally uh, you know uh, on the context of my financial services technology you know that kind of a background most, most of that you know somebody working uh, you know on developing cryptocurrency for example right uh, and then then somewhere uh, you know somebody is in the private equity field and uh, you know some kind of deal where mafia money is involved so on and so right so these are fictions you know i i find it very challenging to write fiction right so that is where probably they have been stuck and then i didn't follow advice given by a lot of my friends and other people who have the experience in that you know uh, first draft don't worry too much the the uh, the you know the inability to write a really really bad first draft is what i'll say you know is responsible for this be willing to just you know write trash right and then keep improving because i think by and large again i am getting that this fiction has to be written like that right because it keeps changing by the time you are into you write a whole sketch and uh, you know maybe 10 page just you write you know what are those 20 chapters by the time you are into the third chapter you know the everything starts changing correct right? because this fiction you are also imagining it that's where i got stuck uh, i didn't follow the advice of that vomit draft or whatever it is called bad word to use but just write the first one right so that's where i'm stuck so i think i have to get out of that mentality uh of trying to be writing the best novel at the first uh, this one right that i have to get out of that this one came more easily because it's it's a non fiction right so and it's in an area which i understand very well for me it was just a matter of you know committing uh, and my coach i had a coach for writing this book actually who basically the publisher so penman books if you look at them so uh, my friend kailash he guided me on that and he made me commit on linkedin and facebook to hundreds of people that was one thing we did very bad and you know and i was like 
I was forced to write it in a way. Then I took like forty-five days and almost, you know, it was really, really back-breaking, right? Right from morning six, seven, eight in the uh, to ten o'clock in the night, and almost in forty-five days, I, I finished it. Now, I knew there is no other way I'm going to do this. Now, such a concentrated and you know, uh, sort of highly focused forty-five days. Then I could finish this, and I think I took uh, maybe seven, ten days for revision and so on and so forth. But it was done. But it is a non-fiction. Which I find much much easier to write, so that's why I have another non-fiction in my mind. But I've been postponing that because you know I wanted to finish the fiction, which feels very bad. You know, three books and all that. So you started and then you don't finish that. But again, now I'm veering back to you know if I'm not finishing those, should I write the second one? Right. The other one, which is fully sketched out, if I really put two months of effort, is done. Right. So. That's the so the, my struggle is with writing fiction basically, and that's why those three are in incomplete state. And because it keeps evolving, it keeps evolving. There's no end to the kind of imagination. It keeps running wild. I don't know where to check it. That's so true. Perhaps we need to make you commit publicly to I think finishing your fiction book also. Oh no, I have committed, <laughs> and 31st March is the date, and it's not going to happen. I did commit. Well, yeah. I think yeah. we can we can get yeah. some of uh, our Indic community to to push and pressurize you into finishing that book by the 31st of March. Uh, so. Uh, you know i i want to ask maybe uh, you know one more question which is uh now you said you you committed yourself to a 40 45 day writing session and you uh, wrote it any advice to people who are writing non fiction uh you know and, and i'm sure there are a lot of people who have a lot of you know insights and knowledge that they want to share but they're not sure when i lost you partly i mean i couldn't hear you towards the end oh i'm sorry i'll i'll repeat my question so for people who want to write a non fiction book they may have a lot of knowledge and insights to share but they're not sure whether a full length book is the right uh, way to go what is your advice to them yeah so i think yes so the meat has to be there you can't just write a book and make it like 45 50000 words for example right if the meat is not there i think so there is a very clear approach to writing a non fiction book right a very very clear approach you know how to do is step by step uh, that is possible in the fiction it is i am not able to implement that uh, probably the same approach can be done in fiction and i tried that but i haven't been able to get through the so very step by step approach that is possible and if you are generally disciplined generally disciplined not extremely highly disciplined also generally disciplined and willing to commit i think you should be able to write now whether that will convert into a full fledged book i am not really sure about it but i think non fiction books have been written which are 100 pages 50 pages you know 200 300 500 pages so that's not a challenge really right uh, so if if uh, you think that you know this particular subject you can do justice to it in 150 uh, or maybe 100 pages etc i think go ahead and do that nonetheless correct right? but uh, there is a way of doing it uh, i'll just describe it in Uh, you know bits and pieces clearly identify your audience right who are you talking talking uh, you know talking to for example for me it is entrepreneurs by and large and then some, some amount of corporate executives and then then uh, the second thing is you know write the first sketch or you know what are the first uh, topic uh, topics so how you are going to divide the book you know for example introduction then i spoke about what is pricing why is it important and it's fairly logical actually right and then third thing is you know write down the Uh, in each chapter write down the questions 
that you as a leader would uh, like to be answered right so when i am writing about pricing as a leader i will have you know some of the questions right what exactly is pricing uh, why is it important correct how does it work right is it a art is it a science right so those questions come to my mind as a reader so then i go and write those questions and i answer it correct and first draft you do like this even let's say uh, pricing strategies right so i'll just write down what are the different different pricing i just first wrote down some pricing pricing strategies and then the idea to classify them came in my mind right then traditional etc evolved then i then i thought you know let me develop a checklist so this is it is possible to do in a, in a fairly methodical way because you are the subject matter expert right on a topic that you are totally comfortable with because i have done workshops on pricing i advise people on pricing so i am very comfortable with the topic right i have read all, at least 10 books on pricing right so you should read in that area definitely i am not saying all this is my innovation or something nothing like that correct i read authors who write like kahneman for example he has written about pricing at least uh, quite a few experiments he has written right and there are people like you know bauter and others who have written actually very good books on pricing read that as well and then in your own way structure and present it it is possible to do that and it's relatively straight forward as compared to a fiction but that is my experience i know you wrote a fiction first so maybe your point of view could be different right so but that's just my experience right now what you say makes a whole lot of sense right uh, you know right so you've said read a lot on the subject Absolutely. write what you know best uh do you know ask that a reader would want vice yeah. so uh shelindra before we uh, you know so okay so first of all thank you so much for coming on the indic book club author q and a and uh, your book price to profit grow your business profitably uh, profitably is uh, you know very very logically methodically organized book a lot of uh, good useful information in it Thanks. and a lot of uh, examples and quotes uh, you know from business leaders that uh, that you know resonate a lot i would definitely encourage you know people go take a copy of it it is available on amazon and as you said it is available in both physical as well as a, a kindle ebook forms so in closing any uh, any any comments any uh, final words yeah i think again i mean i know the goal of indic book club is to you know encourage people to write right so that's one obviously i think more around indic topics i'm not really an expert in those areas so i'm not thinking of that but i think yes take inspiration from others uh, they say there is a book inside you know everyone right so i didn't know i, I thought this is just some gang somewhere but when i wrote it i found it to be true so i think yeah go ahead and write a book don't think of you know who will read it right which a good book some people will read it and you will get the satisfaction of you know having done really something concrete i mean i for me this is really something very very concrete and now this can translate into a lot of intangible benefits also right so there is a intangible benefit to that because you establish your credibility if you are writing about a topic let's say pricing or let's say finance or anything like that so it establishes your credibility you become much more you know uh, uh, confident articulating that topic you research for writing that book right so lot of intangible benefits are there around that so don't think too much if you think that really it is worth writing a book go ahead and write it uh, don't spend too much time thinking at best what you will do is maybe 3 4 months you will do some hard work on something and uh, maybe you will think that it is not worth it which is okay i mean it's rather than you know constantly thinking about uh, uh, will i do it or not and again when i'm saying this i'm telling this to myself as well trying to convince myself you know go ahead and finish Oof. that uh, fiction <laughs> but that which i'm finding challenging yeah 
no very very sensible practical advice shailendra so thank you again for coming to the in the book club uh, q and a and uh, you so thank you shailendra thanks a lot thanks for inviting me thanks a lot bye bye, bye.